I'm, uh, yeah, Josh Meckler. I'm a leader here at Grace City, and uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for the opportunity today to be uh, teaching today in this Advent series. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about all the snow outside. <laughs> Earlier this week, when I just woke up and looked out, it went from being a rainy day the previous day to everything completely covered in snow. I got really excited. This is my favorite time of year. I am so thankful the Christmas season's coming up. My, our tree's up, everything's decorated, reef on the door. While decorating everything, Michael Buble's Christmas music was playing. Yes, I cannot get enough of this season. And one of the things I really love is Christmas music or Christmas carols. Love hearing on the radio, come by our house, and it'll definitely be playing. <laughs> and one thing I kind of noticed kind of listening to a lot of Christmas songs is a very common theme and a word that just keeps popping up again and again. And, and this word is peace. For example, the lyrics to uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. Peace on Earth. Whew, that's, yeah, definitely big concept. And the more I thought about it and the more I just see this word popping up, it can be hard at times to like define peace or even imagine peace on earth, peace throughout our lives, peace all around us. It can be a really difficult thing to kind of think about or even to define. What's a bit easier to do sometimes is to define, okay, what's the opposite of it? conflict, tension, it seems a bit easier to be able to understand or recognize or notice that aspect of the world around us. And there is no shortage of it. Big example, COVID-19, the pandemic. It's really shaken up a lot of things, really disrupted so many aspects of our lives. Our lives, while yet not completely peaceful before, it seems far less peaceful now. Public health measures, so many things we can't do. And then in, even in response to the, the pandemic or the measures that are put in place, there seems to be greater lack of peace. Protests, counter-protests, unrest, riots. Even before COVID-19, these things existed. Uh, for many, like I work downtown, or did before working at home, <laughs> and I know many of you in this city who will work downtown Ottawa, you will have seen many protests in many forms, with this being the capital city, Ottawa, the heads of government. It seems like a great amount of tension and unrest and pushing back occurs in this city. And not only in Canada, there seems to be tension, unrest, lack of peace, Everywhere, there are coups. A recent example last few years being Myanmar. But it seems like every few years, there seems to be a toppling of another government. Beyond that, there seems to be emerging trends in totalitarian governments or fears of our local governments or governments around us becoming more authoritarian or, uh, or totalitarian in nature. There are wars. It seems like there is a constant state of war. Somewhere on the news, they're talking about a conflict, a war, a civil war of some form is going on at all times. There's terrorism, famine. There's socio 
economic inequality, something that seems to be rising in importance in, in the midst of the pandemic, where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. There's the mistreatment of minorities in many forms, something that hits this city particularly hard. We're, cu we're currently kind of wrestling through uh, the treatment of Aboriginal groups, something that's really particularly hit this country hard. We're in the midst of disagreement, anger, protests, counter-protests, mourning, and countless other emotions and reactions and outworkings coming out of this mistreatment. There are immigration challenges. And even there is tension even in lighter things. Sports teams, fans cheering against other fans can really turn into, uh, yeah, far from, or far from peace. Fights in the stands. It seems like every aspect of our life has some form of conflict. Even words are becoming more and more contentious. That uh, each word is political. There's a war on words. It seems like everything, there's a divide. Which side are you on? And not only within our words, it's within ourselves as well. Increasing mental health challenges, rising rates of anxiety and depression. It seems like this lack of peace is extending within us too. And within our closest relationships, conflict within families, increasing divorce rates, strained relationships, and even more severely as well, domestic violence, which here in Ottawa, there was increased rates of it during the pandemic. And I, I know this lack of peace around us, I feel it as well. Whether it's reading the news and just getting more and more stressed about everything that's going on, or battling with anxiety, or the pains of conflict within family, all it seems like for me, peace can be, feel so distant so often. And at times, it seems like peace can be even hard to imagine. With this with looking at this and trying to picture or trying to go through this list, three kind of aspects of this lack of peace really stood out to me. The first being that this peace is widespread, or sorry, this lack of peace is widespread. This lack of peace is also within us. And finally, the solution is not within us. So many things we've attempted to do to try to deal with this, and yet it seems like we are heading into an, or an increasingly more tense and conflictual time. With this state of the world in mind, let us look at the Bible verse, um, at a Bible verse that describes the peace in which seems so distant from where we are, and yet emerges through Christ. And this is Isaiah 9, 6-7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and furthermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. 
This passage was part of a prophecy uh, that the prophet Isaiah uh, spoke on behalf of God seven centuries before, before the birth of Christ the Messiah. The prophecy was made right before the people of Israel would be exiled for their rebellion and idolatry. Israel had begun to worship uh, pagan gods. Again, something that they had done continuously over centuries. And yet, all this in the midst of God continuously saving them and delivering them. After this current period of rebellion and idolatry, they would be heading into um, a time of exile and later captivity. And yet, this prophecy points towards an undeserved salvation that would arrive through the birth of Christ. While we previously dis- well, I previously discussed the context of the lack of peace or conflict we're currently living in, what was the context in which the time in which Jesus was born, the time in which this peace was prophesied to be coming in towards? Well, it, it doesn't seem too distant from where we're at. It was a time in which many described as a political powder keg, an environment that was ready to explode. Prior to Jesus, a man named Herod was appointed by the Roman Emperor Augustus to be king of Judea following a very complex civil war. Judea was a region uh, in which was many Jewish and non-Jewish people lived. Herod was a very unpopular leader at the time for a number of reasons. One being uh, him being from a region of Udamea and him being seen as non-Jewish as such because it was a predominantly non-Jewish region and him being appointed by an external authority the Roman Empire, who was, yeah, had their foot down or control over uh, Israel and Judea. Beyond this, Herod would become increasingly paranoid, utterly ruthless, and cruel throughout his regime. One of the most famous examples would be following the uh, birth of Christ. He would go on to kill every young boy two years or younger because he felt or threatened by uh, the birth of Christ, seeing it as a political threat to himself. An extremely cruel leader to kill every child under that age, every male child. In the midst of Herod's kingship and and Rome's rule, there was a lot of unrest within Israel itself. Within the uh, Jewish people, there was conflict between different groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. The Sadducees were an aristocratic, elite group who at the time controlled uh, all the temples. The, the Pharisees, uh, sorry, the, the Sadducees were the aristocratic elite group. The Pharisees, however, were the popular opposition to the Sadducees. They criticized the aristocratic and the elite nature of the Sadducees, and both disagreed heavily on uh, philosophical differences. 
Throughout the Bible there, or the New Testament, there's a lot of evidence of these groups being seen as hypocritical, self-seeking, and far from what uh, the Bible uh, calls those uh, who are faithful to be. Also within that time, there were many within Israel who were expectant for the Savior, the one who was prophesied for. However, they had a bit of a misinterpretation of who that would be. Many thought at the time it would be a political and a military figure in which would free them from Roman rule. There was an expectation that there would be a civil war, a fighting back, a taking back of their nation. Additionally, Israel had a health crisis and a number of health crises of their own. A large uh, one that's spoken throughout the Bible being leprosy, a skin disease that can cause severe nerve damage, cause individuals isolation, being cast away from society. Beyond that, there were a number of other health concerns and health conditions causing a significantly lower life expectancy than we have today. This was a region which had seen civil war, totalitarian rule, imperialism. It's a region that seems very distant from peace. And yet this is the context in which peace was to come. It was not a peaceful environment in which peace was coming to. Peace did not arise out of the circumstances of this environment. As well, the, the same sort of three aspects of the lack of peace in which were applied to kind of our modern environment can also be applied to this time. Lack of peace was widespread. As a result of Israel's rebellion and idolatry, Israel had found itself in a state of chaos and captivity. This lack of peace was felt by all within the society, either by the material effects of what's going on around them or individuals or the Israeli people's own separation from God by their own actions. And finally, the solution is not within those at the time. Israel had been unable to free itself. And mankind is not able to make itself right with God. This can be seen in Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We will fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Now that we know the current state of things, and the state of Israel, in the time of the birth of Jesus, what is this peace that, that, is prophesied, that was prophesied? Is it a leader to fight against Herod? To fight against the Romans? Is it a multi-step plan to alleviate the health crises, social crises, economic poverty in its time? No. The peace is so distinct from the lack of peace. We can see it in three different ways. First, while the lack of peace is everywhere, the answer is not. The answer is in one place. Peace is a person. It is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. The solution is God himself. 
The, the peace promised in this scripture is mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This scripture would point towards the dawning of peace. Through the faithfulness of Christ to his Father's will, his willingness to die on the cross, peace was made between man and God. This can be seen in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The second aspect of this peace is that while the lack of peace is within us, the peace described in this passage is personal. It addresses the lack of peace within us. We can see it in this, this scripture that we went over earlier that it, there, it mentions to us this was given. In the prophecy, the us was Israel. And this covenant this peace between man and God is extended to all mankind to whom would believe in him. The provision of peace, the availability of this peace is intensively personal. The final aspect of this peace is that the answer is not based on our own actions. It's about who Christ is, not about who we are or what we can do. Not only is this provision of peace personal, it's not dependent on our actions. So many solutions to problems today are suggested to be within our hands. Did you vote? Did you protest? Did you get vaccinated? Did you recycle? Did you clean your room? Did you go to the gym? Did you go vegan? Today, while there appears to be no end of conflict and anxiety, while supposedly the solutions are within our grasp. But truly, if it were within our hands, would we not have done it by now? If it were truly that simple, that it's just one step away, wouldn't we be far ahead in this war against peace? Or sorry, lack of peace. But the wonderful truth about the gospel is that while we are the cause of the divide between God and man, we are not the solution. But we receive this peace through trusting in Jesus. We can become at a, a state of peace with God through accepting Christ as our Savior. Earthly peace, or probably more accurately described as a temporary pause in conflict, comes and goes. But this peace and reconciliation with God this relationship between man and God, this has eternal consequences. Through knowing and accepting Christ, as a result of Christ's faithfulness, God no longer sees our sin, but instead sees his son. The transgressions of mankind and our personal transgressions are no longer seen by God. Well, this in itself is an incredible gift, to be in a state of peace with God, to be loved by him, and to be, have this close and intimate relationship is an incredible thing in itself. There's even further peace in which we can enjoy. We can enjoy peace in our lives through Jesus. Jesus. Great example of this, Philippians 4, 
4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In the midst of this chaotic world we live in, through the difficulties of our lives, we can turn to the Lord and experience peace. As the scripture showed, it's, it's a peace which also doesn't really make sense based on the circumstances. A peace that can be really kind of unbelievable to us at times. We can experience this. Peace with God. The transformation of our hearts the, can bear fruit throughout our lives. And peace can be throughout our lives. Practical applications being, we can avoid seeking vengeance when wronged. We can forgive those who have harmed us and wronged us, as we have been forgiven by God. We can even take a step further and pray for enemies. We know that nothing our enemies can do to us can take away the peace in which Jesus has won for us. How transformative could this be in your hearts, in your lives, in your friendships, in your families, in your workplaces, and the communities around us? This peace extending by the grace of God through us. I'm thankful for what God has done for me. The peace I've experienced in the midst of struggling with anxiety. Peace within interactions with those who have harmed or hurt me. I'm so thankful that there's so many actions I would have taken if it weren't for God and what he did in my heart. Again, trying to get revenge, trying to push back, trying to protect myself, only to make greater conflict within these areas. But I'm thankful for the grace of God that... I'm able to do things I naturally wouldn't want to do. That he's transformed my heart to desire to do different things, to give me the strength to do this. I'm so thankful how, and even in the midst of these situations, while there can be conflict against me, that I can experience and feel peace in these moments. This peace that doesn't seem to make sense, and yet, while I'm so undeserving, God gives all the same. Where are you currently lacking peace? What does the person and the work of Jesus mean in that situation? How can the transformative peace of God work in these areas? Let us be expectant for miraculous and transformative peace throughout our lives. Let us be expectant and hopeful for relationships to be repaired, for families to draw closer, for situations in which peace seems unimaginable to pour out and come out through. Because, yeah, we are loved by a miraculous God. 
We are loved by a God in which brings peace into this world. And while these two forms of peace, peace with God and peace through our lives, are, again, incredible in, in itself, there's even further peace that's available. This peace can be extended further. We can spread this peace to this anxious and conflictual world through proclaiming Jesus. The peace with God that we receive, the peace we can experience in our daily lives can be felt throughout our families, social spheres, our city, and our nation. Through knowing peace with God, as found in Christ, we can be more fruitful in our pursuit of peace in our world. We can point those uh, around us towards the one who has won our peace with God. We can tell our stories. We can point towards the areas in which God has created peace in our lives and point them towards them experiencing that same peace. Let us proclaim the Prince of Peace.